Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. you guys are here this morning. I want to say a welcome to those folks that are worshiping with us at Buchanan. We are delighted that you're part of this service. Looking forward to seeing you guys with us on Christmas Eve. All of our Christmas Eve services, our Buchanan campus will be here and we'll all be together. So it's going to be a really, really exciting time. Hey, um, I know when Steve came out and said, Pastor Brady's going to be bringing you a message on depression, everybody was like, yeah, that seems pretty exciting today. I'm glad that I braved the cold and and I uh, came out for a little bit of that because that's uh, really what I need. In fact, I have even better news. I'm not going to give you one message on depression. I'm going to give you two. So uh, I, I finished uh, working on this on a Thursday morning and decided to, again, uh, bless you guys by breaking it up into two parts because there's just so much, uh, so much here. So let me just set some ground rules because we need a lot of ground rules uh, today. Some of you will be like, man, that didn't seem like a message, like we didn't really get into the scripture as much as we normally do. You're going to, this is the introduction to a message. So today and next week are all a part of one message, okay? So just uh, just relax. Uh, and I'm not going to say everything there is to say about depression uh, today, okay? I, I will tell you this, about uh, two months ago, I got a phone call from uh, president of Tennessee Baptist Convention. Uh, he oversees over 3,000 churches in our, in our state, and he invited me to come and speak at our state convention at the pastor's conference, which is tomorrow. And that, that's like a really, you know, in my profession, that's an honor. And I was like, man, I was super jacked up. And as he was, you know, telling me, you know, inviting me, I knew what he was doing. I, and I started thinking about some messages that I had preached in the past that I, I'm bringing that. It's going to be, that's going to be strong. And he said, uh, but, but here's the deal. And that's always like, whoa, 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 what just happened? He said, uh, we want you to talk on uh, depression. And uh, in, in fact, we want you to tell your story of how uh, you struggled with uh, depression. Uh, and that's, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that today. That was a, a period of time uh, in my life that uh, God did some amazing things, but it was a hard time. He said, we want you to talk about that. So I'm like, I can't preach a message I want to preach. I have to talk about depression. I've only been asked to speak twice at this event. Both times they've asked me to come and talk about depression. <laughs> so that's what I'm known for. Like I'm the depression guy. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't look great on a business card, but that's kind of who I am. And, and uh, what was even, even funnier is he said, and, and by the way, it's not going to be like a full message. We just need 10 minutes because we've, uh, he said, to be honest, we invited Paul David Tripp. If you if you're in the Christian circles, he's like the hottest writer going today and speaker, you know. And so he said, we want to, well, truthfully, um, we need to pay him with the money we were going to use to pay you. So we're, we're just going to, I said, let me get this straight. You're not going to pay me. You want me to talk about, talk for 10 minutes on depression. Yeah. And I got depressed. I started being like, wow, this is really, this is depressing me, to be honest. And so anyway, so I, I agreed to do it. They, they did call back uh, a couple weeks later and said, uh, you know what, uh, Dr. Tripp's not going to be able to not going to be able to come, and so uh, we're going to give you the full slot. But we still want you to talk about depression. So, like, all right. So pray for me tomorrow. Um, and what is so amazing is, is you might say, well, you're using the message that you're going to be using tomorrow, and that, that's not the case. We already had this lined up, and we're talking about uh, depression in this series long before that. It's just all sort of coalesced, and so for the next uh, three messages, I'm talking about one subject. So. 
uh, pray for me on that. Now, as we talk about depression, and today is an introduction, and I, I so hope you will be back next week because I, I really think it could be, could be healthy uh, for you. But, but some of you, in fact, probably most of you today would say, you know what, I don't know that that relates to me because I'm, I have not struggled with depression. But depression operates on a continuum um, from being kind of down and, and we've all experienced just times in our life when we've just emotionally been down or discouraged, right? Have you, have you done that or have had some despair in your life? And then it moves, those of you in Buchanan, it can move all the way to depression, which can be debilitating. And we're going to look at that. Depression, really, it feels like a pit, uh, and it really saps us of so much, so much energy. So depression and discouragement, just feeling down, that, they can be brought on by so many, so many factors. And I want to say this now, I want you to really... I want you to really listen to this because if you don't, you, it will, some of you, this will, what, what I'm about to do could, could bother you. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. Depression may, may very well be more than a spiritual issue in your life, but it's not less than a spiritual issue. I'll tell you again, and I want to try to unpack that. Depression may very well be, uh, be more than a spiritual issue, but it's not less than that. And I appreciate uh, Andrew Cloud, who does so much research for us, and he he sort of helped to craft that phrase. I think it's a health phrase for us uh, today. And so what, what we mean by it, we mean this. We mean that your depression uh, can be brought on or your discouragement or just feeling down can be brought on by various factors. You know, you can, you can have uh, uh, maybe you're, you're cut from a team as you're a, a middle school or high school student. You get cut from a team and it's uh, it's discouraging that everybody gets a scholarship to MTSU, Eric. So some of us got cut from teams, but good for you, man. We're happy for you. You see, so, you see, so we have discouragement. Uh, sometimes it's a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes it's, it's divorce. Sometimes it's trauma from your past, right? A really difficult thing that happened in your past. And so this discouragement, dis- despair, feeling down can, can be more than spiritual. But I want to tell you, it's not less than spiritual, and I'm going to today really only focus on the spiritual side of that, okay? Our emotions operate like smoke. And so the smoke is not necessarily the problem. What causes the smoke? A fire, right? And so we want to go down and we want to learn how to read our emotions, right? So you'll never be, be free uh, from the negative side of these emotions until you learn how to read it and, and understand what's causing it. And what we're going to see over and over again in Scripture in the next, next two weeks is the fire that is underneath you feeling discouraged, down, um, or even depressed is ultimately hopelessness. That's the fire, and, and the smoke is, is the, those feelings. And so here's something that may get your attention. And I'm, I'm sharing this statistics to you uh, not because I think you should come off your medication. If you're on antidepressants today, I am not saying to stop taking your medicine. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just showing that this is, this is a, an issue that a lot of folks in our culture struggle with, so you're not alone. About 25 million Americans uh, take antidepressants and have been on antidepressants for the last two years. That's not wrong. That's not bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just using that to tell you that uh, a lot of people are struggling with this area of being discouraged and, and feeling down. Now, what is fascinating to me uh, about that number is, is that number is up about 60% over the last seven or eight years. And so we're seeing a real uptick 
in, in, in folks feeling discouraged, having despair. And I think there's some reasons for that. And then folks are, are struggling with depression. This is a statistic I am going to use tomorrow with pastors from all over our state. According to some research from the Barner Research Group, about 71% of pastors in America, meaning 7 out of 10 pastors in America, uh, said that they battled depression beyond fatigue, depression beyond fatigue on a weekly or even daily basis. So about 7 out of 10 ministers. So what are we saying? That there's a lot of us and a lot of you who are struggling with discouragement, feeling down, and may even be moving toward depression. So here's what I want to do today for the next few minutes, all right? I want to tell you how to be depressed. That's the title of my message, how to be depressed. And some of you are like, that's the stupidest title of any sermon I've ever heard in my life. And to be honest, I've, I've heard some, some dumb ones from, from you, Pastor Brady, those of you at Buchanan. Because uh, I'm not going to tell you how to, to climb out of depression. I I'm going to tell you, here's what I know for sure will cause you to move into a deeper level of discouragement and despair and maybe even depression. So let's talk about how to be depressed today, all right? You ready to go? If you have your notes, let's go ahead and take that out. Now, obviously, you're smart enough to understand that really what we're saying is these are things to avoid, right? So here's the first thing. And this is just a message that we're just introducing this topic. And in fact, if you want to do some homework, we're going to spend all of next week in in Lamentations chapter 3. You might write that down. We're going to spend a lot of time there. It would be great to kind of go ahead and read ahead. It would be very helpful for you. But here's how to be depressed. Number one, wear yourself out. Surefire way to depression is just flat out wear yourself out. Now, uh, here's the thing. Our, Our... our bodies, we are not just physical beings. Does that make sense? Those of you watching online, those of you at McCann and everyone here, this is, we don't just have physical bodies. We have physical bodies, yes, but we also have a soul. We have a spiritual, a spiritual side to our life. And those two things uh, work together. They affect each other. Um, psychologists might call that the psychosomatic unity. It means how our physical affects the spiritual and how our spiritual side affects the, spirit, uh, affects the physical side, all right? And so you might say, well, that's really confusing. But think about it this way. Here, here's how I would explain it. If, if you stayed around, and I don't know why you would, but if you stayed around and listened to all three of the sermons uh, today, and then after the third sermon, uh, you came up to me and wanted to talk a little bit, I'm I'm not at my best. You might say, well, wow, he's not the friendliest dude, and he's not the most patient guy, and I feel like Pastor Brady has some, uh, I'm not seeing some real fruit of the Spirit in his life. I don't know that he's as strong spiritually as I thought. And to that, you'd you'd be right. But one of the reasons why you'd be right is because I'm tired and I'm hungry, right? It's 1215, and when I am tired and when I'm hungry, I'm not at my best. Is that true for you? right? And so you think, well, okay, what are you saying? That that just shows how the physical side of our bodies affects the spiritual side, but I want to tell you the spiritual side also affects the the physical side. And and I'm I'm not saying to you that if you battle discouragement and despair that you need to take a nap and, and, and have a snack and you'll feel better. No. I understand that for many of you it's 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 far greater than that. But it is a part of it because here's what's going on. Uh, every night before I go to bed, I do the same thing. Uh, I go around our house and turn off every light. Do you guys do that? I got to turn off every light because I don't want to go to bed. I'm cheap, for number one, because I don't want lights burning while I'm uh, asleep, and I can't go to sleep with lights on, so I turn every light uh, uh, in the house off. My, my wife lights every 
light in the house on. So we have this constant, you know, back and forth against that. Because I don't want, I don't want that drain uh, on our electric bill. But let me just tell you something. In your life and in my life, this was the case for me. And as I went through uh, intensive counseling, one of the things that my counselor told me, he said, you just have too many lights on. He said, every night when you go to bed, you leave too many lights on. There are too many things in your life that are just undone. You're involved in too many things. You're doing too many things, and you're leaving too many lights on. And so you need to turn some lights off in your life. You're involved in some things that the truth of the matter is you probably don't have to be involved in at that level, but it's just wearing you out. Because let me just tell you something. If you wear yourself out, it is a fast track toward depression uh, every time. Now, I, I want to I say this, and this is may be helpful for some of you, but not. Why do we wear ourselves out? Here's another question, because you could, you could stop here today and you could say, all right, Pastor Brady said, you know, I just need to go home and take a nap and I'll feel better. Well, I'd try it. It won't hurt, I promise you, today. And in fact, some of the most spiritual things you could do today is just go home and grab a nap today. Uh, I, I'm a believer in that on Sunday afternoon. But one of the reasons why we wear ourselves out is we confuse our role. We operate like a savior instead of like a servant. Can I tell you something? This helped me so much, and, and it really began to pull me out of some discouragement, despair, and even depression that I was in. I thought I was a savior. In other words, people would say, you know what, I, I, would, I would walk out in the foyer, and somebody would say, Pastor Brady, I know you can't do this for everybody, but we sure wish you could do this for us. Our, our son's getting, uh, getting married in, in Johnson City uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. Any chance you could just come and do the wedding? And I'm a people pleaser, and so really, even at the root of that, man, this is too awkward. My people pleasing, it wasn't even about that. I just want, I, I want people to like me. And I liked being a savior. I, 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 I would say, you know what, yeah, I'll do that. And they say, oh, you know what, that is great. You're, you're great. And that felt good because I was operating like a what? Like a savior. And if you don't watch it, there, there are relationships in your life, in your professional life. You may be that guy or gal at the office that, you know what, you just jump in and you just save people. They're not doing their job. Folks aren't doing what they need to do. But they know you'll come in and you'll rescue them because you're a savior. And it kind of feels good. Can we be honest here? It kind of feels good to operate like a savior. And everybody knows that, hey, that's the savior. And with our children, we do this, right? This is about to get real, isn't it? I mean, we don't want them to miss out on anything. We want them to have everything. And so we want to give them every single experience in their life. And so we just wear ourselves out because we are operating like a savior instead of like a servant and a servant with feet of clay. I, I can't meet everyone's needs. I, I told folks Thursday night, I, I, I never will forget where this really triggered for me. I was I, I, 38, 39 years old, I think. Uh, I still keep this backpack because I, I had it during this time, and it's my favorite backpack, and I, it reminds me of the pain in my past. This thing's ripped all to shreds, but I keep it. Um, I'd preached uh, three times that morning. I had a meeting that afternoon, um, ran across town to do a funeral, uh, came back for a service that Sunday night, and then as I was leaving, somebody said, I know, you, I know you're tired, but uh, we, my wife and I really need to talk. And nobody, when they talk to me, nobody really needs to talk, meaning we just want to sit down and see how you're doing in your life and just kind of talk about how great things are in our life. Nobody ever does that. Uh, their marriage was in a crisis, so I, I spent an hour and a half refereeing. And I, I remember going home that night. I, I never will forget, I'm, thir I'm, I'm 49 years old today. I was a 39-year-old guy. And... Uh, I remember going home at just about 10 o'clock at night. My family had already gone to bed. My wife had been, text Amy texted me. She, she was just done with me at that point, right? 
And so she's in bed, and I, I remember sitting in my chair at 10 o'clock at night and feeling like my chest was about to just beat out of, uh, my heart was about to beat out of my chest. And I thought, you know what, this is weird. Um, and I said, I'll just wait. And so I waited. Another hour later, it didn't get any better. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm having a heart attack, and I'm 39 years old. And I never will forget, I got, in, I got in my car, and I drove to the hospital, and I went into the ER, and I said, you know what, if somebody, I, I'm not sure about that. I think I'm having a heart attack, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I found out that when you say that, they don't play. So I'm back there having tests. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I just tell me. So they're doing tests all through the night. Amy texts me at like uh, 6 in the morning. It's like, where are you? And it was, it was, that was really the, the, the beginning of an eye-opening experience for me, that trying to be everybody's savior, man, I wasn't going to be, be here very long. You know, so learning how to say no. Realizing that I, I'm not a savior. I'm a servant. I have feet of clay. And that's meant throughout the years, some of you here have been frustrated with me. I, I can't, I, I don't do everything. I can't do everything, right? But if you wear yourself out, it is a fast track towards discouragement, despair, and depression. Secondly, here's the second thing I know for sure that will lead to greater levels of discouragement, despair, and even depression. Shut people out. Wear yourself out, number one, and, and shut people out. Because it is hard for community and depression to occupy the same space, right? Shut people out. The enemy, let me just tell you something about the enemy. I know this. The enemy wants you isolated. Uh, because it's in, in isolation that we can believe some really negative thing. And isolation will scream this. Isolation will scream, you're the only person going through this. That's what isolation will say. Isolation will say, if you were stronger spiritually, uh, you would not be going through this. Can I tell you something today that I believe, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay? Real Christians can experience depression. We're going to see next week Jeremiah. He wrote Bible. That's pretty good. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. We're going to see a little bit of his story even today. Real Christians can experience depression. Charles Spurgeon, you may not know that name, but in the late 1800s, uh, Charles Spurgeon, by, by many, many people say he might have been the greatest preacher to have ever lived. You can still read so much of his, his stuff. He had a 15,000-member church in, in, in London. Here's what Spurgeon said to his people. He said, I have spent more days shut up in depression than probably anybody else here. Real Christians can experience depression. Right Now, isolation will tell you, you know what? You're the only person going through this. There's something really bad wrong with you if you're going through this. Martin Luther, and I know this maybe feels like a, a history class to you. Martin Luther, who, who really spawned the Protestant Reformation, maybe one of, the, one of the top five greatest theologians of all time. Here's what Luther said. For more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled constantly. I could find no thought of Christ, only of desperation and blasphemy of God. It was said through a stretch in Martin Luther's life that his wife took all the knives up in the kitchen out of their home for fear that he might take his life. Real Christians can experience depression. We say this around here. We stole it from Matt Chandler, but it's good. It, here's what we say. It's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there, right? We have to do something about it. And so if you're in isolation, if you shut people out, it is going to fast track you toward depression. Now, here was part of my problem. I didn't, during that period in my life where I struggled with uh, depression, 
uh, there were a lot of things going on. I was exhausted. Uh, my marriage wasn't in a good place. I, I, because of just so many other things in my life, my professional life with folks who worked with me, uh, that wasn't good. There were some health things going on. There was a major loss in our family, death in our family, all this stuff that was going on, and it was, it was very difficult. But one of the things is I didn't have community. I didn't feel like as a pastor I could really sit and open myself up to a group of people. Because I didn't want to let anyone know. I just wanted people to see this, right? I didn't want them to see the mess that was my life. And it really almost cost me everything. Now, we talk about community. Let's just be real here at Buchanan. Those of you watching online, we talk about community all the time, and very few people listen to us. And I get it. I I really get it. Because it'll cost you something. It'll cost you something to spend an hour and a half or so a week every week with a group of people and really let them get to know you. Very few people will, will do that. In fact, only really about 20, 25% of the folks who come here do that. And I understand it. That's a sacrifice. But listen, here's what I know. If you don't have community in your life, and I'm not saying, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that our brand of community is the only community that you can find out there. Some of you have community with a believer or some believers at work or a co-worker. Some of you have super strong extended families you get together. And it can be in different flavors. I understand that. Are you, am I losing you guys? But let, let me just tell you what. Sooner or later, if you live in isolation, the pain of what you're going through will be so deep that you will, you will, you'll need to reach out for something else. And we're just going to make a commitment. We're going to be here for you when you're ready. Uh, we have encouragers, biblical counselors. We have all kinds of small groups, and that will help you. So what have we learned so far? If you want to be depressed, wear yourself out. Number two, shut other people out, and you'll move to greater levels of depression. Number three, here's the third thing. If you want to move to greater levels of depression, I know what some of you are saying. We haven't even opened our Bible up yet. This is an introduction to a larger message, right? Could you relax just a little bit? Some of you are like, no, I can't. Well, that seems to be on you. (laughs) Number three, if you want want to be depressed, focused on the negative, right? Now, in life, and I'm just, uh, I'll I'll probably offend some of you. I hear people say this all the time. Boy, our world is in a mess, right? And so we focus on problems we have politically. And I'm just around people, and they're always wanting to focus on everything that is messed up from from our government all the way down to their sports team. I mean, it's just always focusing on the negative. And, And it's one of the reasons, to be honest, why I think pastors struggle with depression at a higher rate than just about anybody because most of what ministers deal with is on a daily basis, death, divorce, diagnosis, drowsy people while they're preaching. That was is no good, right? I'm sitting here talking, you know, 30% of you are asleep. It's not fun. But if you deal with that, it'll, it'll, it'll affect you. So just focus on the negative. And that's how so many people are, right? So many people are. Man, just, just, I'll see it at church, you know, sometimes. Well, we're messed up, aren't we, Pastor? And I say, no, I think there's some good things happening. Do you know that last Sunday in an 11 o'clock service, we had a young man who was baptized right here. He was baptized right here. Uh, his mom took a video of that bapti- baptism. She shared it, and it went viral on social media. As of this morning, 1.3 million views of a baptism that took place about 25 yards from where I'm standing right here. Is that amazing? Yeah, 1.3. Like, we don't even like to clap about that. Like, let's talk about the bad stuff. That's what gets me fired up. No. It's exciting. 1.3 million people watched a young man who's not even able to speak 
declare that he wants to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then on the other side, after he came up out of the water, I mean, he was so excited. Like, that fire, that's good. I'll, I'll take that. I want to focus on, on, on that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Some of you are like, okay, finally. <laughs> Look what Paul says. So we don't lose heart, right? We don't move toward, Paul says, so I don't want you to move toward feeling down, feeling discouraged, feeling despair or desperation and even depression so that we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. And to that, I would, Paul, I would say to Paul, whoa, whoa, I thought you said this was good news. Like now you're reminding me of my mortality. Paul says, I don't want you to lose heart, even though everything on the outside of you is just wasting away, right? He says, he says this, our inner self that spiritual part of us, the, the part that will live forever, that part of us that connects to God, the most important part is being renewed day by day. So what Paul is introducing is the two tracks that are always running in life. I want you to watch this. We're almost done. You guys okay? There are always two tracks. Are there difficult things in this world? I'm not being Pollyanna here and saying everything in life is good. It's not. There's some tough things. But there's another track. God is always up to something, and he is renewing. He's doing a great work. Cancer stinks, doesn't it? Most everybody in this room has been touched by cancer. Is that right? I doubt there's anybody in this room that hasn't been touched by, by cancer. Cancer stinks. When Amy was diagnosed, uh, I guess about three months ago, we were, we were scared. Uh, it, it was a punch in the gut. It was hard. Uh, treatment, surgery, all that stuff is, is hard. And so you can sit back and you can focus on that and focus about all the negative side of that. Or for us, we have seen... Some of the most amazing things happen inside our own relationship, stuff that probably could never happen any other time. I'll, I'll tell you this, just one thing. I haven't brushed my hair since 96. That's not, a, not meant to, that's just a fact. I mean, I forgot what it feels like. My wife couldn't move her arms. And so waking up in the morning, and brushing my wife's hair was one of the neatest things that we've ever experienced, I've ever experienced in our relationship. It was amazing, right? I didn't do it right at first. She had to coach me and teach me, but that was the other thing. So, but I'm telling you what, after week two, it was good. Like she didn't even look back in the mirror after it was over. I mean, she just pranced out and said, I'm owning this. But I just sitting there and brushing her hair, and, and, and I, I remember talking about that, and I was saying, you know what, all this stuff, all this stuff stinks, but I wouldn't take anything for this. Outwardly, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. You know what I'm just asking you? Look at the two tracks, and which one are you going to focus on? Yeah, you can focus on the negative, and most people do it, most church people do it. I want to focus on what God is doing in the situation to redeem it. And he's always doing something, if you'll look, right? Uh, Colossians 3, I love this. And we're going to spend so much time on this next week, and it's going to help you so much. But watch, Colossians 3, 1 through, 1 through 2. Listen to what it says. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. If you're born again, you've been brought out of the pit, out of the pit of death, out of the pit of despair. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. Watch this. This is so important. If you only get one thing today, get it. Set your heart on things above. That's your emotions. Let me tell you something about your emotions that nobody will tell you. Your emotions don't have a brain. 
Your emotions can't think for them themselves. Your emotions can't exhibit faith. You have to do that for them. You have to tell them what to think. And please come back next week because the Lamentations Passions is going to help us with that. And it will be such a key into all of us getting better. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated. You see, here, here's, what, here's the fire of despair or depression. It's hopelessness. What is it when I feel discouraged or down or depressed? That's smoke. What is the fire? It's hopelessness. You see, and what Paul is reminding us with Christ and the power of his resurrection, there is always hope in all situations, so set your mind on that. You have to tell your feelings what to think. Most people, most people in their life, listen, most people even in the church feel their way to every action instead of acting their way to proper feelings. It's a very big difference. And this is what Paul's saying. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That right hand of God, you just might write in your Bible, power. That's the place of power, and that's the place of authority. When I feel powerless, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel hopeless, I'm reminded that, God, you're on the throne. You're in a place of power. You're in a place of authority. And that begins to drive away that hopelessness, you see, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly, fallen, hopeless things. Now, depression occurs, watch this, when we ultimately don't factor God in to a situation. I, I hear people say this all the time, Man, I, I hated uh, calculus or I, I, I hated you know, algebra or geometry and I, I, I never used that today. Well, I don't think that's always true. I think we probably use that more than you think. But I'm going to tell you something, if you're, if you're a math teacher, you're going to want to hear this. I'm going to tell you something about some math that you need to use every day. You need to understand these two equations because you will use them every day in your life. This is math that matters, all right? Can I tell you that, those of you who are still awake? This is math that matters. Let me give you the first equation. Everything minus Jesus will equal nothing. You don't believe me? Try it. You gain everything that this world says that you need. You get it all, and you edge him out, you block him out, and you won't have anything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Let me give you another equation, second equation. You have him, intimacy with Christ. You have Jesus plus nothing, and you'll have everything. Those are two equations that matter. Isaiah 43, listen to this. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. One of the things you might need to know about the Hebrews is they were scared to death of the sea. The Mediterranean on the western coast of Israel, it frightened them to death. It was a barrier. It was an obstacle. It was a place of hopelessness. And, he, and God is saying, I'm the God who makes a way even through the sea. The impossible things in your life, I'm a God who will make a way. Look, look what it says on down in verse 18. Do not remember the former things, it, meaning the times when you lived your life factoring me out. You factor me in, nor consider the things of old. Behold, that's an important word. You ought to underline that in your scripture. Maybe this evening you'll go back. Behold means take a whole new look. Behold means to look up. Because depression or discouragement or despair is in a pit, and we're in a pit, we just keep looking down. But to behold means to look up, to set your mind and your heart on things above. Behold, for the drowsy people. I will do a new thing. In the midst of your pain, do you know what God is saying? In the midst of your pit, behold, I'll do a new thing. 
Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Is that good news? God says, I'm able to even make rivers spring forth out of a desert. Do you know what that is? That's hope in every situation. And truthfully, we become what we behold. You'll become what you behold. It's really where you set your gaze, looking up to him and who he is or looking down at your circumstances and situations. Uh, number four, and, and, and we want to come to a close, is, is, is this. If the fastest way to depression is live with unrealistic expectations. Nick uh, was talking to our staff about this this week. It was so good. If you live with unrealistic expectations, you're basically saying that, you know what? I have an expectation that there's never going to be any suffering or never going to be any difficulties. And that's an unrealistic expectation. Can I tell you that? Life will be mostly difficult. There's mostly suffering, mostly difficult things. And so expect it, but watch. We're going to see this next week so much more, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and tease it right now. We need to expect it, but don't dread it. Don't dread it because it's the pit that God will do the greatest work in your life. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. So many people live with so much dread of the pit. And you have unrealistic expectations, it's not even going to happen. It's going to really mess you up. Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 6. Let me share this. This is the author of Lamentations, which which we're going to look at next week. I challenge you to read Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was the preacher in Israel. And here was Jeremiah's message. He said, hey, if you guys don't repent, then there's going to be an enemy. They're going to come to the north, and they're going to take us over. They're going to put us into captivity, and they're going to kill us still and destroy. And everybody laughed at Jeremiah. But sure enough, the Babylonians came. And they destroyed Israel. They ripped children from their home. They murdered people in the streets. And Jeremiah kept preaching that because the waves of destruction kept coming. When the Babylonians came into Israel, yeah, they destroyed the temple, but they just took people in waves. It just kept coming and kept coming over a period of years. And Jeremiah said this. He would tell them in the midst of that, the worst isn't over yet. And the people got so frustrated that they arrested Jeremiah, this preacher of God's word, and they threw him in a pit. Look at this. So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern. That's a pit in the, uh, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered him. Watch this. They lowered him by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. It was from this pit in mud up to his armpits that lamentations came to him. And that's what we're going to look at next week. Here's depression. Let me give you a little visual of this, and we have it from this passage. Depression is feeling stuck in a pit with no hope. That's what it is. That's a visual. You might say, well, what is depression? There's all kinds of clinical definitions of depression. I, I would tell you this more of a visual. When you experience depression, it feels like you're stuck in a pit with no hope. But here's the question today that I want to close with. Why does God allow discouragement, despair, and even depression. Is that a good question? Why does God allow discouragement, despair, and even depression? Here's the reason. To teach us life's most important lesson, which is dependency. Because most of the time, we will only learn dependency in the pit. I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that's just human nature. Most people only learn dependency in a pit. And you can see the pit not as punishment, but as a gift of God's grace, I keep this backpack from a dark and hard period in my life because it was, it was a period in my life that changed everything for me. So I'm not throwing it away because I see the pit from my past as a real gift of God's grace in my life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you that we could 
contemplates you, your will for our life, and your word. And so, Father, help us to see the pit not as punishment, but as a place where we can fully be dependent upon you. And God, help us to see what is fueling our discouragement and despair. Lord, teach us to read our discouragement. And Father, remind us that we are never without hope with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.